The views and opinions expressed in the following episodes are those of the individuals and are not meant to insult or offend anyone. Jeez, dark and gloomy much? Are you trying to be an edgelord? Well, then how should I put it then? I don't know. How about... We come in peace. We mean no harm. We may spoil some things. We may swear a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So listener discretion is advised. Co-host Owen. And today our episode is about Stargate SG-1. Correct. I did it. Yeah. Uh, time to dial home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so before we get started, uh, just want to make a quick little note. We are having a very windy day today. So uh, if there's any little background noise or anything, that's all that's really going on. We don't have control of the weather yet. (laughs) Still working on the science behind that weather control device. I mean, I don't know how uh, G.I. Joe's enemy, the uh, Cobra, was able to build a weather controlling device, but I'm working on it. (laughs) Also, a big shout out to our friend Black White Check for doing the original intro and outro music. Yes, their info will be in our show notes. Okay, so, um, yeah, like we were saying about uh, the beginning that we're doing Stargate SG-1. And I am very confident to say that being that I have seen all of, like I see the, saw the first movie, the entire original series of SG-1, Atlantis, and Universe, mm-hmm. I kind of have the title of Big Nerd today. Uh, you definitely have the title of Big Nerd. All right. Um, yeah, so have you seen any of the Stargate stuff at all? Did the original movie have Rus- uh, Kurt Russell in it? Yes, it did. Okay, I've seen that, and I've seen a little bit of the TV show then that had, like, Turek? Teal'c? That's it. Yes. Uh, I'm bad with names. <laughs> well, yeah, and of course, I mean, his name is literally otherworldly, so... Yeah. It's, uh... You're, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you have difficulties with names uh, from uh, people that you meet in everyday life. Exactly. Someone from a completely different planet, it's like, yeah. Well, and I was a teenager the last time I saw anything to do with Stargate. That's fair. So, um, so how did you first get introduced to Stargate? Uh, you know, I do remember being uh around like preteen uh age mm-hmm. and seeing one of my parents fr- uh friends having the TV on just play uh you know playing like a thing before Stargate Next Generation that they'd always watch together mm-hmm. and they showed uh like a tail end part of SG1 and uh yeah they were saying it's like oh there's MacGyver Richard Dean Anderson mm-hmm. and of course as a ki- as a kid at that age I was like Who's MacGyver? <laughs> it's like I had no idea that he's the guy that could take a hair clip, a newspaper, and a, st- and a stopwatch and, you know, stop a runaway uh, freight train. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I got it. So that kind of like started it off and everything. And I was like, oh, 
So you didn't start with the movie first? No, uh, my introduction to it was uh, little snippets and I knew of it, but i never seen it mm -hmm. until um, a person that I started working way back when I had my first job working at a McDonald's. Mm -hmm. He was a big fan of it and let me borrow um, uh, a few, like the first season and so of it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I started watching it. And this was before streaming services and bin, like the the phrase binge watching happened. Mm -hmm. And I'd binge watch that stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I kind of got into that. And uh, yeah, I was just remember watching it episode after episode. And I think for like a solid month, maybe two, mm -hmm. it was just all I was watching was Stargate SG-1. Nice. Yeah, and uh, it was quite the interesting concept of, uh, you know, just th this idea of instead of building ships and trying to figure out how to travel faster than light, it's uh, perfecting wormhole, like an alien race perfected wormhole technology, but they're long gone. And we stumbled across it, and like a bunch of uh, ignoramuses, we were kind of like, hey, let's toy around with this thing and figure out how it works. And, you know, it was like uh, the whole, uh, of course, when we first, like, an alien, like this other alien race brought the Stargate, because they understood how it worked and what to do with it. They were like, yes, I am a god, because I can make this ring, or this circle, uh, open up to other worlds and bring forth armies and stuff and I have this ability to heal the sick and all this other stuff and it's like, yeah, it's just really, really advanced technology that people who were building mud huts and everything mm -hmm. were like, yeah, he's a god. We, we got nothing else <laughs> to explain it. So, you know, but then uh, they revolted against the god, buried the thing and it was like, hey, they're not coming back. We, we solved it. Uh, so they got rid of the oppressor and yeah, it was the whole mankind discovers it late year, like centuries, centuries later, yeah, many centuries, almost millennium, a uh, few millennium later. And, uh, yeah, we were just like, Hmm, well, this thing's very intricate and it's not just a rock circle. It's actually got some weird stuff in there that it looks like technology, but it's made with crystals and stuff. And so they tried to pump some power into it and spin the spin the ring, and all of a sudden it was like, "Hey, we can go to a place." Mm -hmm. Little did we know that the one place that we dialed was also the last place that, uh, yeah, someone was a little pissed that Earth uh, wasn't under their domain anymore. Mm. So you know, the whole a dictator uh, kind of thing was like, "Hey, I will wipe you out." Yeah, we're no longer using spears and arrows. We got assault rifles and stuff like that, and grenades and. We actually know how to fight. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it started off with quite the interesting concept of a series, and that was just the movie, and, uh, yeah. So that was the Kurt Russell movie? Yes. Yeah. And... So does the TV show, is that, like, a direct follow-up to the movie? Yeah, it, uh, it does a good job of taking that original concept, and, because even the main character, uh, Jack O'Neill... Mm -hmm. Uh, who was originally played by Kurt Russell, they, I guess, couldn't get uh, him to keep doing the thing or didn't want him to do the TV series? Uh, it was more likely, just to be honest here, from my understanding, he was probably too much of a big celebrity at the time, Kurt yeah. Russell. 
And so he was probably like, uh, TV's not where it's at. I'm going to stick with the movies. But you guys go ahead and find someone who can uh, play that character. Yeah, because I honestly think that uh, SG-1, I'm not quite sure, but I think it was started sometime around the mid to late 90s or whatever. And mm -hmm. the uh, movie was probably late to very early uh, nine, like yeah, late 80s, early 90s yeah. kind of thing. So, of course, Kurt Russell was a huge name, and it was like, well, the TV series just aren't quite as profitable, but they're a lot more, like, long-term kind of they're thing. They're more stable of a job, yeah. Yeah. Typically, if your show gets picked up and it's good, I mean, just an example would be that SG-1, because yep. how many seasons did that have, like, 10? 10 glorious seasons. Yeah, or if you look at Supernatural with 15. Yeah, and then, of course... Uh, like and Doctor Who or, uh, you know all those TV series that yeah. have gone on for like double digits. Oh yeah, Grey's Anatomy I think is on like its seventeenth season or something. Like it's crazy. So definitely, it's more of a stable job if you're good at it. Yeah. Whereas a movie's more of like a, kind of like a big bang. Like you're gonna make a lot of money real quick, but then you know, years down the road, it's like, okay, well, I got to make another one or something. Well, yeah, and you're especially going to make a lot of money on a movie if you're Kurt Russell. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a big name like that. Yeah. So they got um, the big name Richard Dean Anderson because yes. uh, MacGyver was over, and so it was like, hmm, what else could we, what could we, yeah, I was like, I think it was like, hmm, what should I do? And then they came across this, and it was like, oh, you know, kind of like, uh, not quite retired or, you know, seasoned uh, military uh, major or something. Or mm. I can't remember what rank he was at at the beginning. And then, yeah, was, the whole kind of went on with that. Um, one thing I really did like about the series, too, was that um, because there's a lot of references to how humans perceived uh, cultural things and religious things back in, like, the times and stuff and how... It's actually, like, the series takes it as a, that it's like, well, not really. Like, the Egyptian gods, the Nordic gods, um, uh, um, the, is it, uh, over in Asia, you know. Buddha? Well, not, Buddha was never really one of them. But anything that was basically, like, a, a god that, you know, smited and uh, caused wrathful things mm. or whatever. Yeah, that's not Buddha. Yeah, no. Uh, the whole concept of, uh, you know, that kind of thing was actually is like, well, what if it wasn't um, mm. an omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing being? It was just an alien that was so intelligent and able to use this technology that made it look like a god to us that it's like, oh, mm. so to pre, you know, technology humans and stuff... We just kind of like got on our knees and we're like, save us. We're not worthy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of gave the evil alien things there a little bit of a power trip. That's an interesting theory based in the show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it starts off with, uh, you know, they bring uh, um, Jack O'Neill in and he kind of starts off with the whole, okay, well... You know, last time we used this gate thing, it uh, sent us to this place. And now it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, well, the thing was is that they realized that the guy that we kicked his ass when we last used this gate, he knows of us and they're trying to get through. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that whole, if we can use this to go to other places and, you know, do strike missions or gather uh, technology and resources that 
we don't have and all kinds of stuff is like we might stand a better chance than trying to bury our heads in the sand and hope that these things don't come around because they definitely will because they're pissed at us. Mm -hmm. So he gets uh, a Air Force Colonel, uh, Colonel or Major uh, Sam Carter. And Richard Dean Anderson, of course, and this is during the like mid '90s. He's like, uh, so where's this uh, Carter guy? Like, you know, I was like, where is he? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Sam uh, or Sam Carter is Samantha Carter, mm-hmm. and that's uh, where we get. We get. Uh, sorry, just uh, had a little bit of a brain fart there. Yeah, Amanda Tapping, mm-hmm. and yeah, she's like the tech expert. She's. Quite adaptive, quite uh, smart, uh, very resourceful, just all around badass. Mm-hmm. Someone I think, uh, you know, kind of, especially for the time and everything, it was quite encouraging to see a strong female lead character, or not, I'd say like uh, si- uh, sidekick kind of thing, because like her and Jack, I, like Jack was just because it's like Jack O'Neill, he's the big main character. Yeah. If Samantha Carter wasn't, like, the second-in-command or number-two character kind of thing, like, you know, I don't know what how you where you'd place her because she was such a pivotal, important role, such a great actress, uh, all around just, you know, oh, just... She was a good character, for sure. Yeah, I think of all the incredible things that she did and, like, uh, some people, like, telling her uh, later on in the series, the whole... Yeah, so we heard about, uh, you know, how you destroyed, like, an entire solar system... And she's just like, you make one star go supernova and everybody, you know, won't let you forget about it. <laughs> and it's just like, you made a star go supernova. It's like, you know, it, it, like you were outnumbered by huge battleships and everything and you had like nothing really going for you. And you just are like, what if we just blow up the sun? <laughs> you know, like usually the big explosion is the solution and everything. She went huge. <laughs> It was just like, that is some, you know, quick thinking and figuring out how to make this work was just that was just so incredible that it was like, oh man, that, that deserves some mad props. Well, and if I remember from the limited amount I saw, she kind of was a take no shit kind of person, Sam. Like she was like, she got along, like she would get along with people and work with people but if they like she was very compassionate but yeah she definitely when she had a no nonsense approach to a lot of people yeah which that made her more of such a iconic character where it's like yeah amanda tapping has gone on to do other tv series and stuff like that but uh yeah no it's just i really think that uh that stargate sg1 was definitely a top th- uh series for her to really get uh, herself more of a household name or at least get her career going for a lot of people. Yeah. Because she's been in Supernatural. She, uh, I think, was, like, the main character or at least the main head honcho in a series called Sanctuary. Mm. Uh, yeah, she's done a few other things, but... Yeah. Yeah, so really great uh, actress and character. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then... Oh, I'm beating myself up for this, but I can't remember the guy that played... Um, Daniel? Yeah, Daniel Jackson. And he was, I would say, the philosophical, uh, cultural expert. Mm-hmm. He was able to, like, when, you know, thinking about things that human lore has kind of talked about and everything, he was kind of able to correlate, like, 
what the old things meant and how like with what we know now of what's out there it was kind of like okay well yeah you see actually the asgardians and thor and everything like thor's hammer thor's hammer was actually a huge battleship oh yeah, it was like, no, no, it was like, Molnir was not, you know, like, the whole, like, the hammer that everyone thought. Like, yeah, they just made a monument to kind of thing to it, some humans, but, and, you know, the Nordic thing with that. But Thor himself was this little alien dude, and, uh, you know, he was, con like, the one person controlling this huge battleship that basically was just like, oh, I'm heavily outnumbered, but everything I have is so much more advanced than all you guys, so... I kind of have that whole <laughs> outnumbered but not outgunned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so he was able to kind of, you know, between Samantha Carter and Daniel Jackson, those two were able to really solve a lot of the things that I would have. Like, those two could, like, they would escape any escape room ever. Mm -hmm. Like, she was really incredibly smart when it came to the whole technological uh, problem-solving kind of thing. She could do such incredible math that I wish I was that good. <laughs> and Daniel Jackson, he knew knows so much about so many different cultures and everything that it's just, it's kind of awe-inspiring to think of someone able to hear somebody talk about their, like, a cultural reference that's so obscure, and yet he knows of it very well mm -hmm. to the point where it's almost like have you lived with these people mm -hmm. all your life and it's like no, no no i just studied really hard almost like an eidetic memory and everything yeah and uh oh and he also has quite the love interest with uh the, the race that left the stargates because he actually becomes ascended like they are and a bit of a love interest going on with that nice yeah and he also tries to pick a fight with anubis oh Okay, well, I know a little bit about Greek mythology, and that is not a good person to pick a fight with. Uh, Nubis was uh, Gre uh, Egyptian. That's what I said. You said I? Greek. Oh, well, I meant Egyptian. <laughs> Sorry, I know a lot of... Well, I know a little bit about Egyptian, and I know a little bit about Greek, because I meant Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did. I just thought that was so funny. I was like, um, yeah, they, there actually is references to Greek uh, gods and everything, but... Anubis wasn't one of them. <laughs> I've never heard of Anubis being referenced in uh, any Greek mythology. No. So, yeah, you know, it's like, hey, if there is, tell me more about it, because... That's so funny, too, because as I said Greek, I was picturing a pyramid from <laughs> Egypt in my head. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there was, you know, some interesting things. Like I said, Samantha Carter makes a star go supernova. Daniel Jackson tries to literally fight a god who is ascended and everything. Yep. Well kind of a god he's an alien that figured out how to be ascended so he can kind of like phase between being all-knowing intelligent powerful being and being a physical entity that can you know affect how things go in the universe yep and then yeah um and then jack uh, jack o'neill he was kind of the courageous fearless like he was the captain kirk yeah of the series and yeah he was kind of the badass he had the reputation of he fought, he did a lot of missions uh, back before the Stargate was the program was started and stuff. Uh, a bit of a pilot and things like he did all this cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, it was like he was kind of the daring go get it done kind of guy. Yeah. Like, and um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking one of my favorite scenes was uh, in the first season 
with him, he uh, they were trying to sabotage the ship coming to attack Earth, mm-hmm. and they're just like, yeah, we got to go down like this many levels of the ship and get to the main power reactor, disable the couplings or whatever kind of thing. And this guy's like telling him all the ins and outs and stuff, and he just looks down like at the way down to the power generator. You can see like a, a clear shot to it. Mm-hmm. And he just pulls out two grenades, pulls the pins, drops them, and they go. They fall down, and boom! And he just looks at them and goes, grenades. <laughs> this is like just the whole, he goes for the simple, no nonsense, just get it done, get it done quickly, if, you know, in and out type thing. Yeah. So, and plus, Richard Dean Anderson, he is such a funny uh, com- uh, actor. Yeah, he's that, got some good comedic timing there. Yeah, something that that... Uh, what was his name? Kurt uh, Russell. Kurt Russell. Something that the Kurt Russell guy just didn't bring to the movie. Well, they might have also... They tried to make him a framed, more of a badass. Yeah, like well, they might have framed the movie and the show differently, too. Mm-hmm. Because when they made the movie, I'm sure they weren't planning on the TV show. So I don't think so. And, uh, yeah, I think they were just trying to go for the whole, like, One yeah, this them. is the action hero movie of the 80s yeah. and stuff that it's like, yeah, this is... The whole American patriotism and everything, like... Because I've seen Kurt Russell do some movies where he's got some pretty good comedic timing. Um, Tango and Cash. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Or uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, oh yeah. So, he's got some movies where he does that, but I'm pretty sure if they, like, frame the movie around him being more serious, like, action-packed character, then that's what he gave him. So, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those. The I definitely think that the it's that whole concept of movie versus TV series. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, like we said on a previous episode, was that the movie goes for it's like a firework. It goes for the quick takeoff, climax, bang, done. Yeah. Whereas a TV series is more of the slow burn. You know, you gotta it's enjoy the journey kind of thing, and mm-hmm. so you know, having some com- comedic relief definitely makes it more enjoyable in that regards. Mm-hmm. And then what about Teal'c? You got it. I did it. Yeah. The alien who, um, yeah, so he is what's known as uh, Jaffa. Mm-hmm. Not Jafar, Jaffa. <laughs> yeah. Jaffa, Jaffa, I can't breathe under here. <laughs> uh, no, he's, uh, he is an alien race. They look very identical to humans, except for their, anat- their physiology allows them to live for a lot longer. And they also have a bit of a kangaroo pouch ah. for... Uh, the alien things that are the super intelligent snake-like, uh, I want to say eeled mouth type weird looking things. Like imagine the tongue of an alien on the body of an electric eel. Mm. That's pretty much the only way I could describe it. And um, uh, I can't remember what they were called off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> I hate myself for this, but yeah, the. Uh, Oh, it's, it'll come to me. But yeah, they have a little kangaroo pouch to hold the adolescent young forms of these things inside them. And those things make it so if the Jaffa get injured, they have this really fast regenerating, like healing kind of process. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, a, hey, I'll keep this thing inside me and it'll stay alive right in my abdomen. And it'll keep me alive by <clears throat> healing me. Yeah. Although it's gotten to the point where after so many generations and mil- like millenniums of doing this, that uh, it's kind of a problem. Like it's a bit of a drug type, like a drug addiction type thing. Oh. Yeah, where 
the Jafar are actually dependent on these things being inside them. If they don't have one inside of them, their bodies cannot cope without that, the, I want to say symbiote type thing hmm. uh, inside of them. Crazy. Yeah, so it's kind of a, and it's a very painful death apparently. It's supposed to be like, you know, your whole body starts shutting down slowly and stuff. So hmm. it's like if you want to make like a traitor or somebody of the, the Jaffa suffer, you pull their symbiote out and kill it and then watch them slowly fall apart and die. That sounds horrible. Yeah, and Teal'c is uh, quite the honorable warrior, but he actually begins to question his god uh, actually being a god because he was told to execute a traitor and he's displayed nothing but loyalty to his god his whole life. Mm -hmm. But then he, the traitor was actually a good buddy of his and he's just begging him. It's like, please, if you, you know, if you really have a, even a fraction of a doubt in your mind that the person we worship is not a god, let me live and see if he knows if you let me live or not. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, he's like, you know, because of our friendship and everything and because I have seen times where it's kind of like they aren't all knowing quite exactly and there's been some blunders. So, yeah, you know, it's like, I'll let you live and go ch check it out. He tells the god that, it's like, yeah, so the traitor's dead. I killed him. And he's like, very good. Very well done. You have uh, pleased me. Hmm. And he's just like, but I didn't actually do it. So you're not an all-knowing being. <laughs> So yeah, he uh, meets uh, our crew that I was talking about earlier, and uh, yeah, Jack O'Neill just uh, tells him like you know the whole like let or like help me like I can save these people and blah 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 because they're capturing humans for uh, I can't remember reasons and yeah anyways uh, Teal'c just like he's about to execute them all and then he turns on his uh, brother Jafar and helps Jack and everybody kind of like fight fight them off mm -hmm. and he's like. Uh, I love this line, the whole, right when he's about to, like, kill one of the humans, he, he's like, many have told me that exact same line, and then gives him a weapon and turns on his brother, uh, the brethren, in a, in a heartbeat, and he goes, but you're the first uh, one to ever make me believe it tr to be true, hmm. and, uh, yeah, you know, the whole team kind of forms up on that, and of course, I mean, it's one thing, I mean, let's be honest here, the human race does not exactly have a great track record with the whole trusting people with differences yeah be it religious uh ethnic or anything uh, just, just you know it's like this, this it's so crazy that the small differences that are just so minute make people have such a weary untrustworthy nature mm -hmm. and so of course you can imagine that when he shows up to a military base uh even though he helped uh, jack and everybody escape they weren't exactly too trustworthy of or trust trusting of him they're like mm -hmm. oh so everybody here says that you turned on your brothers to save our people. So what makes you think we're going to trust you not to turn on us? Yeah. It was like, I mean, the, the, with, there was a good reason. It's not like they were being complete assholes about it, but there was just a part of me that was like, really, guys? This guy just turned on, I mean, yeah, it makes sense, I guess, but oh, there was just a part of me that was just, uh he looks so cool he's such a badass and he's so calm and collected and like you really have to done gone fucked up to make him mad when he's mad oh good good luck stopping him yeah plus that actor that plays him he is a tank of a man mm -hmm. like, he's six foot six or taller 
you know, probably 280 pounds of muscle. And when he holds uh, a P90, mm -hmm. which uh, I'm pretty sure you don't know what that is. I but... don't. I know it's a gun. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, a very beautiful, well-designed, sleek assault rifle that's, like, really small. And he, like, his, when he puts the gun in his hand, his forearm gets covered by the gun. So it looks like he's kind of, like, to him, it almost feels like he's holding pistols. Mm -hmm. But he's got two assault rifles. And it's like, he's dual-wielding assault rifles. And it's not like those long clunky barrels that are really requiring the wrist strength. He's just going around like almost like nunchucks kind of thing, like mm -hmm. Kung Fu master, except for he's just wiping out whatever he comes across. Wow. Yeah. It's like really, the show had such a great buildup with all the characters. Uh, there, there were many introduced characters, some temporary, some that went on to go be part of Stargate Atlantis and everything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the actors that, uh, did the series. <coughs> they did it very well. Very beautifully. Um, uh, okay, so... That's the characters. <clears throat> yeah. Um, anything... Uh, like, Do you remember any of those characters now that I've kind of given you like a refresher? Oh, I remember all of them. And stuff. My dad was a big Stargate SG-1 fan. So, like I said, it was on... And I would watch some episodes with him and stuff growing up. But, like, I didn't watch it on a consistent basis to kind of know. The ins and outs? Yeah, and stuff like that, so. No, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> the thing that really, uh, to me, that makes that series such a standout kind of uh, show and everything was that... <clears throat> Because, like, you've got Star Trek, Star Wars, um, Battlestar Galactica and everything. All these shows that put the human race in a position of, okay, we have discovered how to do uh, FTL drives or faster than light. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> all these ways of getting around, which the journeys, which would take months, if not years, <coughs> to go from point A to point B. <clears throat> And, you okay uh, there? Yeah, just a little phlegm in the throat. Um, but yeah, the uh, that con like a lot of those shows had that same concept. It kind of felt like a rinse, wash, repeat almost. Yeah. This took the idea of, well, because wormholes like send like you know like the idea of taking one thing from one spot and shooting it right across like to the other side of um, our galaxy. Mm -hmm in a fr like a fraction of a second kind of thing mm -hmm. is like that idea is like makes no matter how fast you can make a ship go look slow yeah that's like you know the whole hey you know you could hop on a plane and go all the way to brazil in like a few hours or you can hop on a charter bus and try to make the journey there in a few weeks yeah it's like suddenly you know it's like that whole mode of transportation is like sure a vehicle goes a lot faster than you can walk but an airplane goes a lot faster than anything can drive. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of that cool concept of we're very much on our heels about these things trying to attack us or trying to fight us in the universe. And we're essentially playing a big game of catch up and trying to have our own fighting force and able to defend ourselves. And, of course, the big bad is a galaxy-dominating thing. The thing that we have going for us 
is that these godlike guys, they're kind of um, territorial. Yeah. And they're they're fighting, like, you know, there's one that's trying to, like, fight us every once in a while, but, you know, kind of passively. Mm-hmm. Because he can't put enough resources to try to claim Earth uh, for all the resources and technology we have. Mm-hmm. As unimpressive as it is compared to what they have. But mostly because we're we're kind of being like the little shit disturbers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, any good storyline has the heroes being. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but because all these gods are, or at least people, things that are using god titles, mm-hmm. are fighting each other. They want to invade each other's territories and claim worlds and have all the humans in Jaffa worship them as their new gods. Like, I have defeated your god. You now worship me or you will die. Mm. So it kind of is like a, hey, that's awesome. But the pro- but the biggest fear is, is that if one ever takes complete control, oh man, there is nothing stopping him. Yeah. Because that amount of military power is just unthinkably scary. Yeah, no, definitely. And then that brings me to a favorite little faction of mine. There's a, a, a group called the Tok'ra. Mm-hmm. And they are actually those little alien things that I was telling you about, the ones that sit in the Jaffa. Yeah. Uh, oh, I only forgot to mention a little horrifying fact. They enter our bodies, be it they cut the back of the neck and wrap around the spinal cord and control our bodies because they kind of like go, oh, hey, I'm going to now make it so my will is now yours kind of thing through electrical impulses and control you and make you do and say what I want. Yeah. And make you my the meat suit, the puppet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the, uh, the, there's a kind of like a small fraction rogue group of them that are trying to oppose that because they realize that untold trillions of humans and Jaffa have suffered at the hands of these, oh, Goa'ul, the Ga'ul, I'm pretty sure I'm butchering that, but that's how they call it. And yeah, that's the name of these little serpent alien things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the Tok'ra are the ones that are like, hey, we, you know, only use a host that is willing. Ones mm-hmm. that want to keep living will live with us. We try to be in harmony with these people. We don't control these people beyond their will. Anything like that. So That's cool. Yeah, they're a really cool group. But of course, because they're kind of like the whole cloak and dagger secret under like secret underground railroad type thing um reference to fallout 4 there (laughs) you know because they're kind of doing things in the shadows they don't exactly have the force to fight it and they're warning us the humans of earth being is like hey guys uh i know you want to be the good guys and everything but you gotta play this game smart because if one god it becomes the absolute ruler we're all yeah (laughs) definitely so yeah that's uh it's a pretty interesting storyline with that because there's a lot of mistrust um a lot of uh agendas and you know like the the storyline gets really intricate and that's the thing i love about the tv series kind of thing is how it all goes yeah no that makes sense yeah um so all in all It was a pretty interesting one in regards to how that all played out. Yeah. But now comes the part where I have to nerd rage a little bit. The end end of season 10. 
where this is where the uh, what is it? The company that was producing the show and everything. Mm -hmm. This is where they were complete a holes. They told them after the end of season ten, and the directors and producers were like, "Okay, so how many more seasons are we getting?" They told them after they had written the script and already directed most of this stuff, "You ain't getting another season." That's it. You're done. You've already been revived like twice because of fans like uh, signing in and you know the to save the gate dot com and everything. Mm. You've already had so many of these people try you know like re reboot your series to keep going and everything because we thought we were gonna end it, and now we're done. And the end of that season, oh man! If they had not done their two movies to finish off the whole plot and uh, you know convince them, it's like hey. The backlash is going to be atrocious. And they're like, oh, it'll be fine. And then the fans saw it and were just livid. Mm. I saw the end of that and thought, no way. This cannot be the end. And this is early, like mid-2000s and everything. Yeah. Or closer to the late 2000s. And I, I heard about the movies coming out and thought, oh, okay. This TV series has made me question the existence of gods versus being uh, all, like, you know, powerful, technologically advanced beings, you know, trying to, like, pretend to be gods and stuff mm -hmm. well maybe maybe you know there's a little indication that maybe there's somebody up above who's actually good and everything because he was like yeah you know what let's uh, convince these people to make movies to finish this off because <laughs> damn it but i always hate when they have to go back and like they don't get to wrap the series up in a nice little bow yeah it's like the whole it's it's one thing to go like it's the whole either you go with a bang or out with a whimper and I'd much rather have a show go out with a bang when it's still good, like when it's really good and everything. And it's like, hey, we're on a high note and everything, yeah. but we don't want to over, we don't want to beat this dead horse. Let's end it on a good term and make this an awesome series that people would have enjoyed. Mm -hmm. so, you know, something in, with intention and intentionality, not just, you know, it's like, ah. Uh, we got canceled, so now we got to try and wrap it up. Yeah, we got to try to do what we were going to do in like three seasons. We got to do it in like, eight episodes yeah it's like uh, okay that just you know wrecks everything it's like trying to get a you know 100 kilometer an hour freight train with like 120 carts on it try to stop in less than you know this uh, or le uh, less distance than a city mm -hmm. it's like yeah that thing's going pretty fast mm -hmm. and the brakes on trains as good as they are it ain't gonna stop in time yeah so there's gonna be a train wreck mm-hmm so yeah, the the movies definitely did a good job. Even though Richard Dean Anderson, he did stop playing the main character at the end of the eighth season. Mm -hmm. They did actually bring him back for the movies. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of liking slash, eh, I wasn't really sure how I felt because Richard Dean Anderson left some big shoes to fill. Yeah. But the guy that they brought in to be the quote-unquote Jack O'Neill's like replacement guy, he reassembled the team because everyone, uh, the original, like, Stargate, uh, the SG-1 team, mm -hmm. was like, well, yeah, you know, O'Neill's gone off to be a general, Carter's going to go off and do research, Daniel's going to go and be a professor, and Teal'c's going to lead his people now that they're uh, kind of free and everything. There's still, like, all this turmoil going on in the galaxy, but he's going to be a leader. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy's like, no, 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 I'm going to be leader of SG-1. I want the SG-1 team. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool how... Who is that? Do you know? Uh, I cannot remember the the character or the actor's name off the top of my head. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, it was, he did a really good job of, like, 
if the series had intentionally continued on for a few more seasons, like if they were going to, mm-hmm. I could see him being a really good character because he was comedic in his own way that kind of brought some new fresh air into the series mm-hmm. and uh, kind of rejuvenated it. Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, the uh, Goa'ul, they were defeated or mostly, like, uh, overthrown for the most part. But then, essentially, they were like, hey, you know what? We need a new big bad. Let's create something called the Ori. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were kind of touching on, like, the Egyptian and the Greek and the Nordic and the, uh, you know, Asian uh, kind of mythologies and stuff. Let's touch on, make the Ori think that they're the good guys, even though they're essentially everything that would be what you kind of consider, like, Lucifer or Satan kind of mm. thing. It's like, yeah, but... To them, the fire of the fires of hell is actually the good guys. Like the fire will bring light to the galaxy and everything. <clears throat> Sorry, getting a little bit of a dry throat there. <clears throat> so a little bit of a crazy kind of concept with all that. So out of all the characters mm-hmm. across SG1 and yep. the original movie and stuff, who is your favorite character? Oh, that's a tough one because every character has, uh, like, such a heartfelt story and, like, they go through hardships and yeah. uh, all these really cool things. But I think probably one of my favorite characters mm-hmm. would have to be Thor. Okay. Because uh, when they find out that the Asgard race is actually, like, you, you remember, like, the whole, like... Um, Roswell, Area 51, yeah. Little Green Men and everything. Yeah, that's actually uh, an alien race uh, called the Asgards. And like I was telling you about Thor's ship and Molnir and everything, yeah. Thor's hammer. Like, yeah, it's like he's actually, uh, yeah, he's actually Commander Thor. And yeah, it's uh, an interesting story about that whole race and everything. And yeah. I just love how like his dry wittiness it's like it really hits the the British humor in me very well. Oh, nice. Yeah, though, like I, I like Jack O'Neill's like simplistic way of like solving problems. I love uh, Daniel Jackson being like, "Oh, Jack, you're such an idiot." At some points and mm. stuff like that. Um, I, I, you know, Samantha Carter being just the tech whiz and able to solve these really complex problems that are like, okay, well. We got a serious problem. How are we gonna, you know, take care of this? Yeah. Or even Teal's just like, it's just something about the the, the he's like so stoic and like mm-hmm. very pride proud warrior, but no, like he's humble about like his abilities and <clears throat> all the achievements that he's done and yeah. everything. So it's all that all said and done at the very end of it. It's just like, yeah, it's, I gotta say, it's like Thor just edges it out mm-hmm. and. Okay, a bit of a spoiler alert for everyone, including you. Um, especially how Thor and his entire race die. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, because they actually, uh, in order to keep their commanders and uh, their their all the knowledge that they gain alive, mm-hmm. they they're clones. Yeah. <clears throat> but they're like they just 
take the mind of who they were and put it into a new body. So they could, so it was like one of their, like, hurt people could die and the last recording of what was in their mind and what their thoughts were gets put into the new body. So it's kind of like the whole, you know, it's like a Phoenix type thing. Mm. Like the whole, they fall in battle, but then they arise again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but they've cloned themselves so many times over the century or the millennium or millenniums of being around and fighting the Goa'ul. And everything that, uh, yeah, they can no longer reproduce. Oh. So, and that's not, that, and like, even Jack O'Neill's like, wait, you guys can't have sex? <laughs> and Thor just looks at him and goes, it's not a matter we like to discuss with other races very openly. So, <laughs> you know, he's just kind of like this little, like, yeah, I haven't been laid in centuries. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, is the whole, once they kind of realize that everything that they try to do to fix the problem, even with the help of, uh, Samantha Carter, mm -hmm. they're just like, oh, um, yeah, we're doomed. Like we've gone down this path for so long that there's no reversing the damage we've done. Yeah. So yeah. Hey humans, here's everything we've learned and well, humans of earth anyways. And, uh, good luck. Like yeah. we're just gonna let it all end because... There's no point in keep uh, degrading and, you know, like it's that whole go out with a bang or out with a whimper. Mm -hmm. Well, their entire planet uh, was going to like implode for uh, for something. I can't remember what the reason, uh, the cause was. Yeah. But they were just like, yeah, once our planet's dead and gone, we're all just going to be on there and be like, hey, goodbye, everybody. Wow. Yeah. So it, it was a really sad goodbye kind of thing that uh, happened later on in the series. But just the intricacies of, like, all those people, like, the like the development of uh, that relationship. The one alien race that was, you know, very powerful and willing to help us out and everything. I mean, sure, they didn't give us all their technology for obvious reasons. Because they didn't want to exactly make another powerful alien race out there that would uh, uh, kind of, like, potentially militarily uh, be able to oppose them. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, but we're your allies. We've been trying to fight the gold and everything. We're trying to bring peace to the galaxy. It's like, yeah, but do you really want, like, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, having nuclear weapons and then being like, hey, this country that's, uh, you know, just learning how to work with gunpowder. Here's a nuke. Yeah. It's not exactly something you're too eager to give. No, definitely. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty... Uh, like I said, it's one of those things where it's all, all the characters, uh, especially the good ones, uh, even Rodney McKay, the good old Canadian in the series. <laughs> and I just love how they even like kept some true Canadianisms in it when uh, there's a thing called a zero point module, or as the Americans were calling it, the ZPM. And of course, him being Canadian, he was referring to it as the ZPM. <laughs> and of course, so whenever I see it on the show, they reference it. It's like, oh yeah, the good old ZPM. <laughs> the thing that's supposed to make like a nuclear power plant look like an alkaline battery. Yikes. Yeah, these things are very powerful. Like uh, having one of these is uh, an energy crisis solving problem 10 times over. Wow. So it's, yeah, having these things are, it's a very, they're very hard to make, but they're very cru like crucial to, you know, having ships that can travel, like have faster than light travel and everything. Oh, absolutely. Sounds like it. Yeah. So, you know, that whole all said and done was uh, a pretty cool thing. Nice. 
Um, yeah, and Rodney McKay, he is uh, the only person on that show I can think of that was actually, human-wise, able to be intellectually uh, equal to what Samantha would think of and do. They didn't really start him off that great. Like, he starts off as a total dick. <laughs> but, surprise, surprise to most Americans anyways, Canadians, we might be nice people, but we can be assholes too. No. Some can, for sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, so, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of great characters, and uh, Thor just wins it out a little bit, mostly because of the, you know, the dry humor and the... I just love it when they start, like, talking in their own language and everything, and uh, Daniel's able to understand him, and he's like, yeah, he's like, they're, like this guy's going to help us out and everything with this problem, but he ain't happy with it. <laughs> and uh, I think it was Jack or the new guy that replaced him was like, yeah, tell him we'll send him a gift basket later. <laughs> so <coughs> Nice. Yeah. Uh, any, any character to you really stands out as your favorite? I mean, I didn't watch a lot of it again, but I would say... Probably Daniel. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just liked how smart like he was and that he knew so much about like the different cultures and stuff. So Yeah, and he was such a... <clears throat> I want to say like he was the one that I think... I feel like was the moral compass. Mm -hmm. He was... Uh, <clears throat> how do you put it? The one when it came to ethical problems, he was the guiding compass pointing to true north. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you wanted to add on top of that? Well, I was just going to say, I think that's a pretty good episode mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, we did just want to add yep. that we wanted to thank our listeners for their understanding last week with us holding off on putting that episode out. Yes. Um, we did that because it was literally... And I think we kind of explained it in the little recording we did, but it was literally, we had recorded our episode and we woke up the next morning. And found out about the tragedy that happened in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And we were like, oh, shit. Like, it's nothing, like, if anything, it was a compliment to Boulder because it's where all the good people go. <laughs> yeah. All the good people in our episode go to Boulder, Colorado. So I think that's something about that area in general and stuff. But we did also just, again, want to you know, give our condolences and not just to the families of Boulder, Colorado, but the fam families of anyone who's ever been killed from gun violence. Yes. Um, we live in a very different country than the U S I mean, it's the same in a lot of ways, but it's different. Yeah. But we have also had some mass shootings and some gun violence happening in Canada yeah, like what they portray in movies and TV series of like gunfight scenes and stuff like that. That's not the reality of most of that stuff. No, and it's we very shit your pants terror that uh, nobody should have to go through. No. So we just wanted to thank you guys for, you know, supporting us on that decision and, you know, for supporting people who have been victims of gun violence and their families because hopefully it's something that in the future we won't have to worry about. I mean, that's kind of idealizing it and hoping for a perfect world, I suppose, but yeah, we certainly hope that things there, can get better. Yeah. Um, 
to uh, quote a phrase in regards to loss that I think uh, I hope that a lot of people take to heart is that one day soon um, that the memory of the ones you've lost will bring a smile to your face before they bring a tear to your eye. So, obviously, grief and stuff like that is uh, different for everybody, so I... We really... can't really speak on that. So, we're but... just, just going to, you know, let people know that uh, our hearts go out to you. Uh, I really wish there was something more I can do, but really, it's just a, it just feels like a token gesture at best. Yeah, and so... that's why it's, like, not my place to make any huge statement and just be respectful and try to be a good person try to love each other yes you know i know times are tough you know we're a year into the pandemic and things are tough there are people who haven't worked in over a year or people that are <clears throat> struggling to make ends meet and it's... stuff but try and love each other you know if you can try and help a neighbor out do what you can but let's try and love each other because and you know just to some people, not saying everybody, but there are some people where it's the whole, um, don't be selfish, like, uh, seek to understand before trying to be understood. This way it can open up a dialogue and actually lead to some kind of progress in understanding the hurt that people are going through. Absolutely. I mean, I know when my mom died, not to make this about me, but I know when my mom died. Yeah. Within two weeks of her dying, I had people telling me to get over it. Yeah. And stuff, right? So, it is what it is. But I know definitely just try to try to love each other. I mean, there's no hurt in that. Yeah. Right? Uh, even a small act of kindness, like holding the door open for somebody can... Or letting someone in. You know, you're driving in traffic and somebody's got their signal light on and you just slow down just a tiny bit and let them in. You know, those kind of things that can change someone's It's the small day. things that make a difference. Yeah. So, but thank you guys so much for uh, understanding why we did that. We just, it just felt weird to put the episode out. Yeah. That day. So we just, out mm -hmm. of kindness and whatever, we just didn't want to. So, um, yeah. But that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, except for our... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> shout out. Shout out. <laughs> yes. I uh, actually have a, per a shout out that I would like to do. Okay. Um, okay. So it's pretty obvious that I'm a little bit of a science fiction type nerd. No. And I do like math. No. Shocking, right? Uh, so yeah, there is a YouTube series called Death Battle. Oh, yeah. Now... There is some good, uh, there's like some really amazing math calculations that go into this kind of stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, some numbers that got, get brought up that just seem like unfeasibly impossible. <laughs> I don't know how they crunch those numbers, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, there's pixel measurements, there's like doing calculations for uh, speed and like figuring out all kinds of stuff. Uh, speed got, is key. <coughs> yeah. Good old Jacka boy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in that series, there their uh, main characters uh, Wiz and Boomstick. Mm. Those two are very hilarious. hilarious, and even though it's like sometimes the person I'm rooting for doesn't always win, 
but uh, you know, like it's because their opponent uh, usually has a good reason for winning. Exactly, they do the math to figure it out. So yeah, and uh, you know, then th sometimes it comes down to a few like, eh, would this person really win? And they kind of go with, yeah, out of a hundred battles, this person would probably win like. 40% of the time, but we want to know the person who would win the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. So it's a and really... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to say, they have some really, really good battles. Like, they put... Um... Uh, the Flash and Quicksilver. Yeah. They've had... Uh, actually, a recent one was Yoda versus Mickey. Nice. Uh, Deadpool versus Pinkie Pie or something? It was a... My Little Pony one. Yeah. yeah. That one there, uh, it, yeah, that was a pretty interesting, that was a episode where it's like, um, okay. It was funny, though. Yes, and I remember you actually looking at me once thinking, are you a secret brony? And it's like, no, Death Battles literally had four of the, you know, uh, My Little Pony series characters there yes. fight against, like, Starscream, Raven from Teen Titans, um, Deadpool, and uh, I can't remember who the other one was that they had a one of the little ponies fight but yeah anyways it was just that's the it was one of those things and i just remember it's like i was like looking at you like i you know ah, this is why hey, i used to watch my little ponies when i was a kid so no judgment mm. but anyways yeah highly recommend death battle to those who uh want to see characters uh, that they absolutely love at their peak go up against really good opponents yeah and that's on youtube right yep yeah all right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in. And just remember, no matter what your thing is or what you're into... At the end of the day, we're all just a little nerdy. <laughs>